Hello, hello, can you guys hear me? The music disappeared way too early. Give me a thumbs up if you can hear me okay. In the chat, of course. All good? I can see my guests in the wing giving me a thumbs up. Perfect. Hi, Bryce. Hi, Susie, Lori, Jen. Oh my gosh, so many of you have said hello already. Sarah is here. Taylor French is here. Welcome, welcome. Happy Friday. Uh, tell us in the chat if you're new here. As Jason, my usual co-host, would say, we promise not to haze you. We do like to welcome new community members, and I'm so happy you have all found us. Look at me, solo on the screen today. Where in the world is Jason Averbook? Jason is, let's see, I think around this time, he is between Singapore and London. Uh, so let's wish him a safe flight uh, on his world travels. Uh, so thanks again for being here. Let's see if I can keep up with the chat. Who is new here? Shruti, thank you for throwing in your LinkedIn. Uh, hi, Susan. Hi, Lori, Christine. Oh my gosh, we have such a great group here. Amazing. Yeah, feel free to throw in your LinkedIn so people can connect with each other. I wish Crowdcast had a better way to like for community members to literally connect within the platform. But for now, this is how we accomplish it. Okay, so nobody's claiming to be new that I saw yet, but there's some names I don't recognize. Welcome, welcome. We're going to do a couple of things. Yep, keep the URLs going for your LinkedIn. Make sure to connect with each other. Um, let's see, what should we do next? The most important question. Let's see if I can rep Jason well here. Uh, the most important question we can ask another human, how are you? I like to emphasize the R. That means I want like the real answer. You know how it goes, red, yellow, green. Tell us in the chat, how is everyone doing today? Steve, you are not joining us live from the State Fair. Minnesota State Fair started yesterday. It is like maybe the second biggest state fair in the country, I think. Uh, and yes, I will be bringing my kids. Oh my God, look at all these greens. Amazing, amazing. Yellow, Jess, we've got you. Jessica Harvey, you are in the right place. We'll get you green. Love it. Susie, John, amazing. Yellowish green. Okay, we've got a pretty good group. Yellowish shade of green. Okay, good. No reds. Um, well, I am so happy to bring you a really amazing uh, guest co-host today, but also a really incredible lineup. Um, I'm going to bring Jean on in just a second here. One of my absolute favorite, hi Jean, one of my absolute favorite events in our space, most of us are in the same industry, although we have a bunch of people in our community who just think this is a really cool, safe space to hang out. But most of us who work anywhere close to work, people, tech, uh, we know about the HR Technology Conference that happens in Las Vegas, most, most of the time is Las Vegas, uh, and it happens every fall. For the past how many years, Jean? There has oh, gosh. been women in HR tech. <laughs> so we, um, we technically go back to the late 90s when it was a Miller Freeman product and then it property, and then it was acquired by LRP. And of course, LRP has recently been acquired by ARC, which is also known as ETC. So yeah, here we are 20 some odd years later. For HR tech. And how about the women in HR tech program? Eight years. This is eight our eighth years. year. I'm so excited. Uh, okay, so so Jean is the program chair for women in HR tech. And as I was saying, and, I, and yes, I'm kind of talking about HR tech, but when I say my favorite event, I'm talking about the women in HR tech program that precedes the full conference program that is HR tech. So for a little bit, first tell us in the chat if you've been, have you been uh, to Women in HR Tech, which is a half-day summit included in your HR Tech Pass. I'm sure many of you have been. Uh, I have attended and watched and admired my fellow speakers, men and women, by the way, and I have also spoken on that stage with some amazing um, thought partners. So tell us if you've been, not yet, Sky, not yet, Susie. Oh my gosh, we're going to get them there, Jean. <laughs> Oh my goodness. I love these comments. And Howard, 
so Howard Turner is on 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 our, our um, crowdcast today, and uh, right. he misses the brazen hussies. And before anyone reacts to that, let me just say it's a thing. It's a thing. It was the precursor to women in HR tech. And this goes back years ago under the tutelage of Naomi Bloom, if that's a familiar name to you. She was one of the forerunners of women in HR tech. We used to get together and call ourselves the Brazen Hussies. Initially, we would just get together for a small dinner. And then over the years, we got together for a very large dinner. And then ultimately, we would wind up being sponsored by some major vendors in the category and have a very large event. And of course, that morphed into our interest in the Women in HR Tech Summit, which of course is a more formal uh, representation of the brazen hussies. Uh, however, you know, there are still plenty of brazen hussies. Um, I know recently we all vetted uh, Lexi Martin as she retired and she was one of our original brazen hussies. So there's been more than a few of us out there, uh, you know, fighting the good fight uh, for women in HR technology. I love it. I absolutely love that this program exists uh, for a million reasons. But first, let me, I always like to play a little bit of devil's advocate. I don't have any stats handy, so don't ask me for them. But we know that HR is primarily dominated by women. What's even better, by the way, is that even when you move up to executive levels, it's still a little skewed toward women, which is interesting. Usually when you move up the career ladder, mm -hmm. the numbers skew the other way. Um, so why a women in HR tech program? Is it just for women in the industry? I'm begging the question here. Is it just for, and what, and what do you think about when you program this event? It's called Women in HR Tech but who is it for and sort of what's the mission this program hopes to drive? You know, so before I answer your question, Jess, I have to remind you of a session you ran at the Women yes. in HR Tech Summit called, I think it was Mothers, Sons and Daughters, yes. which was one of our most popular sessions ever. And who would have thought, no, seriously, <laughs> kudos to you, uh, but who would have thought that you would go to a technology conference and be able to sit in on a session like that where you get a front row seat to some of the challenges that we have all faced as we have balanced whatever our responsibilities are in life, along with having very vibrant careers in the category. Um, the summit is not exclusively for women, by the way. And in fact, uh, our demographics in the U.S. are a little skewed more like 60% women in attendance and 40% are male colleagues. Ironically, in Singapore, we have more of a 50-50 split when we do the Women in HR Tech Summit there. I, um, playing devil's advocate, like yeah. to grab some of my male colleagues out of the audience and say, hey, why are you here? Like, what's yeah. the appeal to you? almost always I hear the same thing. And that is, this is a safe space for me to learn what my colleagues are experiencing, what mm. their challenges are, and so that I can become more aware and more sensitive to supporting the women in my organization. And I, I just, like, if I could, you know, write that in the sky, that would be my dream. I just think that's great. I love it. And Jerry nailed it, allyship. Yes. Um, <clears throat> Plus, I would, I think it was last year or the year before, maybe last year, uh, I did a session, uh, standing room only. And yes, we had to call the fire marshal. <laughs> Seriously. So uh, and it was 50 50, easily 50 yes. 50 men yeah. and women in the room. Uh, and that session was on how to bring working moms back into the workforce. Maybe it was two years ago because it was very much a post-COVID theme. Working moms, by the way, are the biggest group of diverse talent available to you. So uh, all of these talking tracks, like everything we're talking about that have to do with designing workforce experience to drive equality and what, how do we tackle pay transformation and how does that support pay equity, like these are not women's topics. This is not the work of women for women. These are HR business transformation projects, programs you're all driving. Like this is work that must be done and it's the mm -hmm. work of everyone. It's the work of the business. There's my platform. Oh my gosh. I cannot wait for this lineup, Jean. Thank you. 
I just, I, I love the comments, by the way, uh, you know, before we came on, just full disclosure to our audience, we were, we were kind of giggling about how on earth are we going to multitask with all this? Because, you know, Jason's the master multitasker and we're like, holy moly, there's so many things to look at on this screen, but yeah. I just love the audience participation. So thank you so much for, for all of your comments. This is great. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and thanks for, I didn't know, by the way, that I was going to be solo today until a few days ago. So thank you for being so nimble. And to our guests for saying yes and being so nimble last minute. Like these are the kinds of things, Jean, you and I know it would take weeks to program. Exactly. You know, this this exactly. kind of lineup and conversation. And the fact that we all have such heart and passion for mm -hmm. this summit, for that conference, for this community, for the work we're all doing in this industry that we just want to get on and riff about it. I, I just this is it. true engagement. I agree, Jess. Yeah. This is true engagement. This is what it looks like. Yeah, absolutely. So let's start bringing some of our guests on. We are totally doing a, a really interactive panel, you guys. We're going to introduce you to some amazing women and thought leaders and innovators change makers. Oh my gosh, look at this. Oh my life. gosh, look at this. This is In great. <laughs> wow. We I, we got everyone. Look at this. We did it. We did it on a Friday. Yay. Okay. <laughs> Thank you so, so much. Please, please extend a warm welcome. Please say hello to our amazing guests. And let's just take a minute. Well, first of all, let's just take a minute and breathe. I think we've all had a week. <laughs> I think we're like, am I the only one that is feeling this Hail end of summer, school is around the corner. Exactly. All travel schedule is like, I can't even look at it yet. So thank you for being here on a Friday afternoon. I hope everybody has an incredible weekend in store. Let's just go around and say hello, kind of who you are and what you're all about and why women in tech this year for you. Heather, I love you so much. I'm oh, gonna I love you too. I I really do. I really do. I I am delighted to be here. Um Heather, Heather Bussing. Uh I'm an employment attorney in one of my lives. And in my other lives, I write a lot and think a lot, and I'm the luckiest person in the world because I get paid to learn. And um and I just have a tremendous appreciation for the struggles that women are dealing with and have our whole lives and um, an incredible hope for um, the progress that, that we're making. And so that's why um, this industry and, and this summit is, has my heart. <laughs> And you're doing, we're going to come back to this, but you're tackling pay equity. I have so many thoughts <laughs> and words around this topic. It's a hairball. It's a portal. It's yeah. a portal. Yeah. Good description. It's not like, oh, we must do because it's the right thing to do. It's you must do and like welcome to Pandora's box because it's tricky. It's not, you, there's no magic wand for this stuff. So oh, gonna, yeah, no, we'll, yeah. we'll talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Jen, it's so good to see you. Hello. It's great Hi. to be here. Thank you for including me. Absolutely. Um, Tell everybody who you are. Yeah. So Jennifer Dole, I'm right outside Boston, Massachusetts. I am an HR practitioner transformed into an HR technologist transformed into a analyst now, an advisor. And I'm really excited about joining women in HR tech because I'm gonna talk about the intersection of technology and gender equality and the promises that that brings to help women overcome some of the challenges that we have in the workplace. Mm. I, like, I'm so tempted to have the whole conversation with you. I know, right? We're gonna come back to that one too. Technology can play a lot of really important roles and what your session is, is one of them. The things that it can do to surface and mitigate and regulate and govern and 
address bias. Oh, I, I can't wait to dig into so that. Much, so much to talk about. It covers all areas. Oh, amazing. Marilyn, hello, friend. Hey, fellow Minnesotan. Minnesota today? I am. I am okay. for the moment. It's really cooled down about 20 degrees. We can breathe now. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, um, well, happy Friday, man. It's, uh, we're here. I'm ready. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah. So great to see you and, uh, um, and, and be local as well. Yeah. And tell everybody who you are and, and what you're doing at Women in HR Tech. Uh, well, um, I'm still learning, but uh, my name is uh, Marilyn Pearson Hendricks and those out there that know me, I go by MPH because um, in tech, it's nice to have a TLA, a three-letter acronym <laughs> for your name. <laughs> and you, you've got that too, JVB. Yeah, I get JVB a lot. Yeah, exactly. And so, no, I am the co-founder of Work Tech Advisory, and we are a global consultancy, and we work with the solution provider community as well. And um, to really help our, our clients unpack the, uh, really leverage the full potential of what it is that they've built. And so um, honored to be part of really helping to advance the um, really the w women in technology. The thing that I've been thinking a lot lately about is the the what happens with women entrepreneurs mm. and navigating that whole set of standards and um, there's a, you know, a huge gap of disparity in terms of funding, in terms of access. And I was at the, the this is not what I'm at doing this year, if you would, at HR Tech, but this is just something I'm thinking about. And I was at the Transform Conference um, in, I think it was March. I've been to Vegas like four times already this year. Uh, and what was so amazing was half of the founders I met were women. And when I first started, at my first HR tech show, it might have been the one in Philly, the only one in Philly. It might have oh, been. Gosh, that show. goes back a ways, Marilyn. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, yeah, I know. <laughs> that <laughs> one, we we were excited. We had we had three hundred people in attendance at yeah, that conference. Sure. Now we have more than four hundred exhibitors at HR tech. So yeah. Well, and if we think about the role of women in HR tech at that point in time, it was a sea of men. And if you're a woman in at the HR tech show, you could have like two roles. You were either um, in marketing yeah, or marketing. you were doing demos and I was doing yeah. demos and you weren't, oh. you weren't in the other roles. Yeah. The demo dolly days. Right. Sadly, yeah. I, I remember those as well. Yes. And, yeah. Yeah. And so for the HR tech show though, um, for this, and thank you by the way, for the, the, um, the invitation here, Jean, and it's, um, it's my understanding that I'm going to be moderating the panel uh, that is going deeper into skills-based hiring and, mm -hmm labor um, models. And that is a topic really near and dear to my heart from having lived it. And then, you know, is potentially this the ticket to equality? Marilyn, thank you so much, by the way, on a Friday afternoon for being, talk about agility. Uh, I know I ambushed you. <laughs> <laughs> and and you <laughs> and I, I love it. I love it. And you know, you're talking about women entrepreneurs. We have a woman entrepreneur right here with us today. If I, I could it. pass the baton to Sarah to have her introduce herself, um, Sarah has been a speaker at Women in HR Tech, uh, also one of our Pitch Fest winners at the HR Tech Conference. But she exemplifies the journey of a, of a woman entrepreneur. So, Sarah, over to you. Yes. Well, Marilyn, I was, I was going to say, we need to talk. I love that you are <laughs> you know, helping support women, um, women entrepreneurs, because there's just not a lot of us out there. Yep. Um, and so and, and thank you so much for having me on the show today. I just am so glad to be here. But hello, everybody. Uh, my name is Sarah Roadhorse, CEO of Onwards HR. And Onwards HR is a separations compliance platform for HR, legal, and finance teams. And really, our mission is to help ensure consistent, compliant, and compassionate employee exits, which is just so critical um, to just get that right. <laughs> I know, Heather, employment attorney, like so much uh, going on there that, you know, it's a tough, it's a tough, tough, tough area. Um, it happens all the time, and it's just important to get it right. 
Um, so that's that's kind of uh, who I am. But, you know, one of the things that I just really believe in HR tech, talk about complicated weeks. So not only am I a CEO, I'm a mom of three daughters and moved two of them into college Woo-hoo! Uh, this week. So uh, just got home from that and uh, happy to say they are all in a really, really good spot. And part of what makes HR, you know, tech and, and specifically, uh, you know, the Women's Summit is that I have three daughters. I'm a woman. I've got three daughters. They're ambitious. They're go-getters. They're smart. And they can do amazing things. And just to really be able to lay the path forward so that they're comfortable saying, yeah, if I want to be a CEO one day, uh, I can do that, you know? And so, um, you know, that's, that, I, I believe in everything that you guys have done in bringing um, that summit together, having the conversations that are tough because we got to put them on the table to be able to get it to a better spot. Um, and so just, you know, Jane, uh, just can't thank you enough. I love this, by the way. I think Jen, you, and I each have three daughters. And Jess. And and Jess, you have three daughters. Holy cow. How often does that... Marilyn, forgive me. I I don't know you well enough to start delving into your family, but (laughs) may we raise strong women. I I just love this. That's great. (laughs) And be good role models. I love that. Exactly. Because I I never thought I would be an entrepreneur like this. No. It was not in my, it was not in any of my grooming or training. I got to a point where it was like, I don't see any other alternative to do the work I want to do. Isn't that true? That's it. There is truly, and I don't know if it's a glass ceiling or a brick wall. I personally, it was a brick wall. More like a brick wall. Yeah, you just know that the only path forward for you is your own, um, and that the only way you're going to do the kind of work that you want to contribute to the world. Um, and I always laugh, you know, I, I come from a background where it would not have been intuitive that I would be a CEO uh, and an entrepreneur. My dad was a New York City firefighter, so you know, civil servant. But as a child, he used to say to me all the time, you can be anything you want. You can do anything you want. So every time I would hit the brick wall, I'd be like, wait a minute. My dad told me I could do anything and be anything. So I'll just keep going. I'll just find a way around the wall, over the wall, whatever. So, um, but, you know, it shouldn't be that hard. It, it shouldn't have to be that hard. And I sometimes I get frustrated as to whether or not we've really made progress like tangible uh, progress. I'd love to have have the team's feedback on that. I'll just, that's such a great tee up. I'll just add my girls are a little bit behind yours, Sarah. So they're 14, 12, and as of last week, 11. And unless I talk about it, which I do, they're young enough to not have any idea what any of us are talking about. They don't know there are brick walls. They don't know there's a concrete ceiling waiting for them. They don't know when they get their first paycheck because of their gender, it's going to be 82% of the paycheck. And that's because they're white. If they were not, it would be even small. Like they have no clue that there is so much disparity waiting for them in the world of work. It's like horrifying. And I'm trying to fix it and get ahead of it and trailblaze and problem solve as fast as I can, as much as I can before they encounter it, because I don't deserve these issues. They don't, they like, we need to do better. And I, and I agree, Jean, we haven't done enough fast enough. Um, And so let's talk about that. Why, why haven't we seen more change? This is ridiculous that we're still talking about pay inequity. Exactly. Why are we taking, we, we seem to take two steps forward. We all get excited about it. And then we slide three steps back. Heather, Mm -hmm. I'd love your feedback on the pay equity topic. And Jen, I know you want to weigh in on that. Yeah. I was just going to say that the pandemic slid women back further too. You know, I mean, that really, the progress that we had been making yeah, you have to now redo it. Was that a visibility issue? I mean, does that tie into the in-office discussion? Is it is it because we're remote? Are we just not as visible? A lot of women left the workforce during the pandemic because caring for the family, homeschooling, um, caring for their parents, like it it took priority. 
And many women haven't stepped back into work yet. I think the pandemic really forced women to have to make choices. And let's face it, we're all human first. I mean, we, we love the work we do, but you know, we're humans first. So when you force people to make a choice, they will go with their, you know, their family responsibilities. What a terrible decision to have to make yeah. for anyone to force anyone to make that decision we and not give them the flexibility. Decision, though, I mean, women have always had to make that decision. Mm. You yeah, know, no, I no. didn't have kids until I was 36 because I couldn't because I had a career to tend. I didn't and have it, kids and I, I didn't think I could. My yeah. time and energy that way. Mm-hmm. You know, I had to establish myself in my career before I had any freedom whatsoever to think about a family. So that's really frustrating that biology is still dictating how we're making our career choices. What infrastructure needs to be put in place? to take that pressure off of us. And by the way, talk about diamonds. I, 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 women are amazing because we operate under so much pressure. I mean, in nine times out of 10, we're the ones, you know, doing the daycare schedule and doing the homework at night and, you know, everything else. Sarah, you and I spoke earlier in the week, you were taking kids to college and I'm like, whoa, I remember not just the logistics, but how emotional that is, you know, to, to to do all that and make sure they're on their way. What kind of infrastructure should we be relying on in the workplace that will make this better, easier, and more equitable? Flexibility for everyone. Mm-hmm. Flexibility. So that's for number everyone. one. Okay. What does flexibility look like? I mean, you know. I, yeah, it I means flexible it. about where you work. It means flexible about when you work. It means trust and and giving people desired outcomes and letting them do their best work the way they need to do it. It means accommodating people for all of their lot, you know, for all of the things that are going on in their lives. Not, you know, it's Children are a disability for women. (laughs) (laughs) But it's true. It's true. And and it's because we've got the framing wrong. You Mm. know, we're still trying to lean in and outmen the men. And we need to change the conversation and we need to change the definition of success. Mm. Absolutely. Wow. Marilyn, looks like you want to weigh in on that. Yeah. You know, it's it's funny because my husband and I have had discussions about this thing a lot. And I, I chose to not have kids because I just didn't think I could do both. Right. I, yeah. I didn't think I couldn't even imagine. Well, so much. But it was it was like, I, I don't know how I could do it. I just couldn't see it happening. I didn't think I had. I, I could and do it well. Yeah. Um, and so it was just so we made a decision. For a lot of other reasons too, but um, but you know, one of the things I think would be on on the on the gender equality side of things is is it okay enough for men to do the caregiving culturally? Mm-hmm. And I think there there that that end needs to get fixed so that the, the load can be shared. And so I think there's stigma associated with men who stay home as well, probably worse stigma than with women. And if we don't fix that, we're not going to be able to balance, I don't think, the equation. That's an interesting observation. I I had a conversation with um, uh, a very prominent individual in the people analytics uh, category earlier today for a podcast that I do. And um, one of the questions I asked him was about his recent paternity leave, because he actually has it on his LinkedIn profile. Hmm. And I thought, wow, Kudos. Like that's half the battle right there is letting people know like, hey, I did this and it's okay. Like it's cool. I mean, that's the way we build community, much the way LeapGen has built this community is said, hey, here it is. Come along with us. And um, I wonder if if we did more of that, if we're talking about just basic communication skills and feeling comfortable 
you know, sharing that level of, of detail about how we're structuring our own lives. And hopefully we're doing some of that, by the way, at the Women in HR Tech Summit. Um, at least we, we very much try to focus on that so that uh, you're seeing like-minded people that, that have the same issues that you have, and you're seeing how they're solving, how they're doing problem solving, and some of the innovation. Um, Jen, I'm curious, you've been heavily involved in, in you know, learning and technology, and are there certain things that employers could be doing that they're maybe not, or maybe they're not doing well enough to, to give women flexibility and opportunities in the workplace? Yeah, I, I thank you for asking because I could spend a lot of time talking about this. Um, but some of the highlights that I've seen in recent years are really the exposure to different career paths um, and the talent marketplace technology that's out there is, is giving rise to different options for people and really breaking work down into skills. And I think that the, the combination of that is really opening up the potential of the entire workforce. And it's not based on um, where you work, how you work, who you work with anymore. So I, I just, I think that that's a great um, innovation that people need to step into. I think that is such a great point to make, Jen. I said earlier, like doing this work is not the work of women for women by women. Like, but if we need to have a really specific use case, go ahead and use women. But something like shifting the idea of jobs and work to skills that need to be, you know, that are desired skills to perform required tasks for very specific needs of the business. When you break down people in jobs in that way, guess what happens? You create a lot more equity and parity. It also drives pay transformation. Like you kill so many birds with one stone when you get yourself to a different common denominator. That requires a lot of rework because we haven't built the HR function that way. And we haven't built any of the systems, processes, tools, technology, like nothing is really designed for this yet. And that's the wave. That's the wave that businesses are going to start. They're going to feel the tidal wave hitting them quite soon uh, because mm -hmm. there's a lot of pressure and reason to move in that direction. And there are a lot of great companies out there that have already made some of those initial steps forward in creating the skill-based organization and using technology to help do that. And they've got great success stories to tell people. And Jess, it does seem like overwhelming amount of change that needs to happen in your organization, but there are people out there that can help you take that first step and the second step and the third step to, towards that change. I, yeah. I'm curious what kind of skills we're talking about because you know it's said that Hard skills have a half-life of about a nanosecond nowadays. I mean, and and let's face it, none of us knew we were none of us knew we were gonna get hit in the face by Chat GPT, you know, a year ago. Yeah. So so are we talking about soft skills, uh, you know, behavioral skills? And and do we think that women are perhaps more in possession or or further along with some of those skills than others? Do we have an advantage? I'll ask the question. Do we have an advantage when it comes to a skills-based model? Yes. Do women <laughs> have an advantage? Gina, question? Yes, absolutely. Oh, good. What a great yeah. question. It's like the it's great why. equalizer. I and, mean, this and is here. Yeah. yeah. Well, yes. Is this is the have we unlocked okay. Pandora's box finally? Yeah. Okay, we're opening it. Heather, what say yeah. you? Yeah. So when you have felt oppression and have experienced discrimination, you have to become very aware of everything about the people who have power over you because, because you still have to get stuff done, right? So... So women know way more about men than men will ever know about women because we have to. Wow. We do. We uh -huh. do. Wow. Black people know right, way though. more about white people 
than white people know about black people. Yes. Because they have to. Mm -hmm. Wow. And so being able to navigate in that environment and get stuff done is a necessity. And that's why there's a skill difference there. So are we the peacemakers? Is it that we have learned how to reduce friction? Is that our, our secret sauce? When it's appropriate, but I think we have lots of other ways of getting stuff done too. <laughs> I love this discussion. So we might we may finally be at a tipping point here that as companies move to a skills-based, you know, recruiting model, talent management model, workforce architecture model, that that women might have more career opportunities um, and and a higher value because we possess a depth of skill set that hasn't necessarily been valued in this way previously. It, it's kind of like our own currency is what I'm hearing. Mm -hmm. well, we you know, need women in the room defining the skills. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes, we and women in comp too. It's like, how is it that we've yes. got all these women in comp and yet? Yeah, how is that? Issue. I spent I spent ten years of my life in comp. I got a story to tell you guys. You know, maybe not here, but <laughs> how I got in trouble because I said, "Hey, by the way, did you guys know that there was this pay thing?" And I did this all this report, and I thought they'd want to know, and I got sent to the principal's office. Oh, I know. I've had oh. those moments too in my career, Mary. Oh man. <laughs> um, but you know, one of our clients in, out, out of the UK um, is doing some really interesting work in uh, workforce optimization, and so really, it's not just the skills; it's what is the what is the demand that's happening in the business, and how you match that. And so it was so interesting because, of course, the only way to do this right now is through, you know, large language models because of the complexity of the decision making. And what was so interesting in a conversation that I was in on Wednesday of this week is they were in the algorithm had to put assumptions about the demographic of the decision. And today it's hidden. Really? Today it's it's this is where this is where the the concrete ceiling or brick wall comes into place because those decisions appear to be, you know, supposedly equitable, but they're actually not. If you're actually using some of the technology, you also have to look, you have an opportunity to look at the demographics of the decisions as well. Wow. And, 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 and it's mind, mindfulness. Yeah. yeah. I'm wondering if Sarah, if you've yeah. seen similar well, situations with data. Well, that's the one of the things I was going to kind of zero in and is, looking at decisions decisions objectively using data using statistical models um, can really bring transparency mm -hmm. that isn't about emotion it's not about person or what we look like who we are it's just data and an algorithm um, you know one of the things that we do is adverse impact analysis mm -hmm. um, and there's different methods, they're di different models that you use on, on uh, different size populations. Um, and it's, so it's important to run multiple models too. So, you know, there's just power in data, you know, that can Absolutely. make a conversation just about the facts. Like mm -hmm. it's not about who said what, did what. It's about here's the data and the data is tells its own story. I truly That's think the pay equity is such a great place to start. <laughs> yes. Let's talk because we've already got all the adverse impact because you got to not only look at the demographics, right? Um, but it's like drilling into a new layer. It's like what department, what area, how do you slice that information? Because at a whole, you may not have any disparate impact. But if you look down and get into a single department under a single manager, there may be some extreme, um, you know, discrepancies there. Yes. Um, and that's one of the things that we really try to be, bring light to um, so that you can prevent things from happening before it's too late. Because it's too late. That's when, you know, they got to call Heather. And yeah, <laughs> exactly. And and so frequently when you are able to to really zoom in on you know, let's say a certain manager at a certain facility where there's been a history, you, you're using the data and you see there's a history of a certain trend. 
that enables you, of course, to either support that manager or manage them out of the organization. Um, because no, no good comes from any of that. Your employees, whether they're current employees or former employees, are your brand ambassadors. And, and whether people like hearing that or not, it's the truth because you've touched someone's life when they're, when they're in your employ, you know, that's part of their career journey. Um, yeah. And I just want to add one thing to that because bias, it sounds like, you know, if there's bias, the, the, uh, automatically they're a bad guy. But the reality, we're all biased. Like we're human, right? We have our own histories. We have the worlds that we've grown up in. We take these forth in our work lives, our personal lives, wherever we are. And sometimes we need our own checks and balances. Like we made all these decisions because they're right, because I made them right. But you might find that, you know, you need these checks and balances to be like, okay, well, maybe I wasn't even aware that this was happening. And that's where the whole conversation of DEI and B really comes full circle because then you have opportunities once you identify that there is a description, you have an opportunity to bring about change, bring around education um, so that everyone's kind of, you know, can, can be better for it. Coming back to pay equity. Yeah, sorry. Let's assume, no, 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 dude, I love all of the rabbit holes, trust me. Let's assume everybody agrees. I don't think this is a big assumption to make, but maybe it is. Let's assume everybody agrees there should be pay equality. <laughs> I hope we can all agree. Um, if we all assume that that's a good and necessary thing, and we're a world full of bright, intelligent people who are all agreeing on a good thing, why is there still a pay gap? Why isn't this done? Why hasn't this been fixed? What's so hard about it? <laughs> Marilyn? There's, there's three, I think, key forces on that um, that I've seen in the research. One is women are reluctant to negotiate. Mm -hmm. I shouldn't have to negotiate for equality. The, but, but whereas uh, when a job offer is made, if a male and a female candidate get the same lower offer, the male candidate research-wise is more likely to negotiate and the women is more like more likely to say yes. I know mm -hmm. that's true. Right. Devil's well, that's with that's one and then the way, but is it really my job to make sure that I'm fairly paid? Well, it, it, that comes down to, you know, the employer, you know, motive of, of profit mode of, of getting as much labor for as little cost as possible and that there is very some variability. And so it's, it's a, tr it's tricky. It is just, it's a tricky thing. I think, I think the, uh, you know, even with call it pay transparency on, on job postings and stuff like that, there's still quite a range. And then so there's I think, one, what there's two more reasons you think? Yeah, I think two others that, that come to mind. Um, I think, I think, uh, the, the second thing that has to do with the entree, and this, this is just what I've observed in, in my travel or vacuum cleanered up in my <laughs> reading of things, but it's the um, female professional networks when they're first starting out in your careers. And so, um, so if, if we have a smaller or not as robust professional network, when we're first getting that first career move, that follows all, all the rest of your life. So it's those early, it's the early placement and then failure to get the uh, that bump, if you would, when you're negotiating and you are making job moves. And then yeah. I think the third force, and and I'm I'm assuming you guys have tackled this topic in, in previous sessions and in, in women in HR tech, but I think it's the flawed way of people measurement for performance. Yeah, and it introduces so much bias, like you know, that's a mess. To, yep, to the stand, you know, the, and 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 I I did hard time in in. EEO and affirmative action compliance as a practitioner. And I, I don't know if this has changed today, but at the time that I was a practitioner, that when they were doing pay equity analysis for, um, uh, for, for looking at, at the number side of things, they wouldn't even, uh, the, the EEOC wouldn't even look at uh, performance ratings because the if it, it wasn't reliable and valid. It's so subjective. It's too subjective. Even it's so today, subjective. Yeah. yeah. I, I see this, by the way, in the as we look across the the HR tech spectrum, I see performance management as terribly broken. 
and and you know i we see a lot of kind of lipstick on the pig kind of solutions out there and that's not to castigate anyone in the category but this is not being fixed going back to your point marilyn and and i know heather and i have talked about this previously you know if an apple costs a dollar then and i give you a dollar you know, then we all understand that analogy. Why do I go into the workplace? And I've been at the receiving end of this when I was on on uh, the corporate side. You know, I had people, they were my male colleagues, my bosses, present job offers to me and tell me during the job offer, I am giving you less <laughs> because you are a working mother, you have a, hus a working husband, you know, whatever. Like, and I would sit there and I'd be like, dude, you've got to be kidding me. Like, how is it not? It's bad enough you're thinking this, but like it's coming out of your mouth. Like, I'm sorry. Well, not not cool. And, Just and not women cool. women buy into it. I mean, well, they how go many along. times you... have we heard women say, why is she working? Her husband makes a lot of money. Oh, yeah. You know, boy. Uh, none of us are doing that. So number one, I'm going to get that right off the table. But but the other thing is when you need the job, you sit there and you're like, okay, am I willing to die on this hill? No, I need this job. I need to pay my utilities. I need to pay my mortgage. So you wind up going along with things, you know, kind of like lowering your bar, which plays into this whole like know your value, Heather, you just put that in chat. And it's like, whoa, I've devalued myself before I walked in the, the door. So I've, I'm in a hole to begin with. I'll spend the first year of my career here digging myself out. It's really depressing on, on many levels. But to your point earlier, women, are we're kind of used to doing this dance. We shouldn't have to be, but we're kind of used to doing this dance. So well, when I... Go ahead, Heather. Yeah, I mean, the title of my talk is It's Not About the Money. Right. And so we have to stop focusing on the money because what is the money really about? Yeah, but we equate it in the construct of the workplace. We equate our worth with our yes. compensation. About value. We do. We do. A budget is a statement of values. You yes. know, where the money goes tells you what the organization values and who they value. Right. But what is the money a proxy for? What is it really about? Value. Power. Value. It's about what power. you're worth. Power. It's well, power. It's about That's interesting. Power. I don't know if it's a, if I'm working at an Applebee's, I don't know that it's about power, but uh, okay. I, I'd be curious in what, you know, are you talking about knowledge workers or tell me I'm what I'm talking type of about everyone. I'm talking about hierarchies. I'm talking about the ability to be seen and valued. I'm talking about how we treat each other in our culture and how our cultural biases flow into power structures in our work and in our lives. I think Christine and, said it well. She had respect. Yeah. Yes. Um, like that yes. kind of sums yes. it up for me. Like yeah. power, dignity. Yes. And women and men deal with power differently. Men see it as who do I have power over? And women tend to see it as what do I need to get stuff done? Well, and that it isn't about the money, but imagine like, Imagine the decisions women would make on their own behalf if they didn't have to worry about their place in the world. If I had full agency and the ability to make decisions for and about myself without having to worry about, can I do this on my own? Will I be able to, like money also represents freedom to make those decisions. And yes. that's- yeah. I mean, that's a, a long, you know, historical issue that that won't be overcome, honestly, until these pay inequity, you know, conversations right. are overcome. Right. But freedom is still about power. Yes. <laughs> Did Heather tell you she has a tattoo that says power on it? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Do I'm you? Getting, no, I'm inspired. But, I'm getting that. But, but it's power a proxy for. 
well, position, authority, respect. <laughs> you know, that's these. These are com I don't think we have a one-to-one -one relationship on any of these. These are complicated. No, topics. but but well, it gets more one-to-one -one the more you think about it. <laughs> <laughs> but I I think you know, power is all about success, and success is about love. I think I think power is a proxy for love. Mm. And people want power because they want to be loved. Mm. Wow. Well, there's a wow there's for evil too. I mean, right? So Marilyn, I'm sorry. Say that again, please. I is it for good that. or for evil? Right. Right. Ooh. So right. if it's not, right. if it's power for evil, then that's not love. But they want to be loved. I don't they know how they're. They're I'm, being I'm, loved and loving are two different things, though. So. Oh, absolutely. Right. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> no, but we get confused. I need, I need, we I get confused. And this. if we define something and we put our marker down around money, um, we're leaving the context out. Mm. We're leaving the context out, and you can't solve the problem until you understand the context. So mm -hmm. if I'm... Taylor French in our community who said earlier, I tried negotiating and I was turned down. Many of us could possibly repeat this. How does somebody like Taylor, brilliant early in her career, amazing career path ahead of her, I happen to know, how does she say, I need more money because I need more power, love, agency? Like, how let's give some tips, some practical tips on. The part, first of all, the system is broken. We can't fix the system individually. I'll push that boulder uphill all day long, but wouldn't it be smarter of us to actually collectively fix, rebuild the system? Don't even fix the broken one. Let's just build the structure that we need moving forward. But each of us can play an individual role as well. We can advocate for ourselves and others. We can establish agency. Mm -hmm. We can say, this is how this gets done now. Welcome to the new woman. You know, like let's give some tips to people to to create that kind of agency and confidence for themselves. Do we have any tips? Yes. Research. Yes. Know your worth. You know, transparency is is going to be transformational. You know, the data's out there. We're as companies have to give their real data in their job ads. Mm -hmm. You know, it's no longer coming through surveys. It's no longer coming through employees who, you know, may have an agenda. And and we're going to find out what people make in jobs. And it's going to be available. And it's going to be available to candidates. And it's going to be available to employers. And there will become a standard. And we won't be able to have multiple um secret menus i don't know about that i don't know about that so so i now know you know again i'm going to use my applebee's example we're both working at applebee's we both make minimum wage so now you all of a sudden make two dollars more an hour than i do what does that mean to me okay it means i'm frustrated i don't feel as seen or as loved and I go to work at Denny's instead. Like, like, at what point does the employer really control this? And at what point does human nature just take over and say, I'm not staying. You, right. you know, you don't value me. You don't treat me fairly. It's, that is a powerful move to leave. And, and we are going oh, into oh, an era where all sorts of factors will contribute to an ongoing labor shortage and yeah. and yeah. everybody everybody will be needed and you can't rely on saying i don't want to work with women or i'm going to pay them less because you won't have anybody working for you well and uh, I, I, Jess, I, I know we're almost at time <laughs> we could go I, on for hours here I, <laughs> Every time somebody says, just leave, just go somewhere else, it's also a privileged position to be it able is. to say, sorry, but, you know, thanks, but no thanks, because not everybody has, has options. And if I have 
if I'm not just a woman, but if I'm also underrepresented, under, you know, privileged, under accessed, under all mm-hmm. of the things, and I have more barriers to overcome, uh, saying no thanks is also a very privileged thing to be able to say. Um, and so that's why this is such a hairball, as I said earlier. Yeah. Sarah, I'm going to let you go. Yeah, I would love to chime in on this because I think one of the things that's helped me in my career and one of the things that I kind of, I mentor women, um, single mothers through women in technology as well. What? Yes. But oh, I know you now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've done four or five cohorts and two of mine were ranked in the, as a, a finalist for the single mothers program. They're awesome. They're totally go-getters. But it's ask. Like we're talking about, oh, the system needs to look at the data and the employer needs to do this and everything else. Fundamentally, women don't like conflict right? We don't want to, like, they should just give it to us. You know what? The world doesn't go around by people handing out gifts. You got to ask for it. So if you want a tangible, tangible takeaway is guess what? Ask. Now, do your research ahead of time, like Heather says, do your research because there's data that's going to support that conversation. But your managers sometimes don't know. Again, it goes back to the fact that we're all human. We don't always see the inequity, even if maybe so transparent to those people that are feeling it. Those in a leadership position may have no clue. So the very, very, very first step is have a conversation. Yeah. You'd be amazed that so many people just fundamentally um, will be like, do the right thing. Like, yeah, let's, let's get it better. Nobody has to leave. Yeah. Nobody has to change. Yeah, so, I got to ask. I my if I could go back to my younger self, I worked really hard, and I thought they would notice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Ooh. I would just yes. take your advice, and I'd say, "All right, ask," and that that takes courage. Yeah, and you know what? What do you have? Like they're like, well, well, what are you know? What if they don't like what I say? Well, then they'll tell you. But I think they're going to always appreciate having an open conversation. What do you got to lose? Like exactly, exactly. you actually and, wind up with more data if from yeah, the result of that conversation. Yeah, I feel like they they kind of put put you on a path like, oh, she's going to stand up for herself. She's going to ask. Well, okay, well then I'm going to you know go out on a limb and and maybe she'll be that assertive in her job too. And and if she's up against some other person in a sales position or in another situation, you know, I can, I have the confidence now that she's going to go and get that job done. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think what's important is like, when you ask, you may get no still. Yeah. Yeah. Ask another question, which is what do I need to do to get to that level? What do I need to do to get that? Yeah. New episode of Yes. Keep asking questions. Jess, please, could you bring us back together after Women in HR Tech so we can record it? I need a two-hour block for this one. Uh, Okay, so Green Bar, if you are not yet registered for HR Tech, it's right around the corner in October. This is the reason to go. Like Honestly, people, Um, plus all the other reasons we know it's a fantastic show. It's like truly like the homecoming dance of the industry. Everybody gets so excited to see each other again. Uh, there is a comp code. Um, when you click on that link, I think it's $450 off your pass. So you can still take advantage of all of these. It's not quite early bird anymore, but there are still ways to get yourself there with a little bit of savings. Um, thank you, community, for leaning into this conversation. It's not weird to talk about this stuff. I have always been a champion for that. Uh, And the fact that you guys stuck it out and stayed in it with us, um, the more we talk like this, the faster we'll solve all of these problems. I promise. Uh, Thank you for being here. I, oh, we're not, we're not on next Friday, by the way, it's Labor Day weekend here in the United States. We have a global community, but here in the U.S., uh, you can't find anybody in office, in an office next Friday. So we're just going to take it off and breathe and uh, and see you the following week. We've got a great lineup already in store for September. Thank you, ladies. Thank, Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Amazing. All right, JC, we'll take us out. Bye, everybody. Bye. Have a great